Want flexibility? Take yoga. Want flexibility with your health insurance? Check out United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly medical, dental, and vision coverage that may be right for you. More at UH1.com. He koonai pūrangi tēnei nā te reo irirangi o Aotearoa. and welcome to Our Changing World. Ko Alison Balance ahau. This week, we are all about Matariki. Matariki is the Māori name for the Pleiades star cluster, and when it rises in midwinter, it marks the beginning of the Māori New Year. I'm going to hand the show over to neuroscientist Dr Melanie Chung and RNZ producer William Ray for a Māori perspective on science and astronomy. Tēnā koutou katoa, ngā mihi o Matariki ki a koutou, ko Tarawera tuku maanga, ko Tarawera tuku awa, ko Tiarua tuku waka, ko Ngāti Rangiteki tuku iwi, no mātātāhau, ko Melanie Shang tuku ingoa. I'm Dr Melanie Shang, a Māori neurobiologist collaborating with Radio New Zealand, and I'd like to welcome and acknowledge all of our listeners tonight. Kia ora, I'm William Ray, I'm a producer at RNZ. So a while ago, Melanie and I went and visited Dr Rangi Matamua at Waikato University School of Māori and Pacific Development. Good, how are you? Good, good. I brought you any on the bread. Uh, oh, I, I don't know that you should be awing. It's not that strong. It's not that sour. Rangi is the Māori astronomer that wrote the popular book Matariki Star of the Year and he's been handed down much of this knowledge from his tūpuna and has continued to expand this ancient body of knowledge through research. Yeah, once he um, stopped drooling over your bread, he went and showed us something really special. This book is, what, 1897? What's that? So... Hundred and twenty years old. This this book, yeah, very tapu for me. And you can see the beautiful old-fashioned writing. Yeah, it's beautiful. It's all written in Te Reo Māori. These are all different stars, and just their own called all about each of the stars. This book has so many amazing stories about the stars in it. But first, I asked him how he started his journey to become a scientist. I didn't do very well in science when I was at secondary school and it's because of the way it was delivered. I didn't have a very good science teacher. He just really was flat and dry and I couldn't see how I was connected to what he was teaching. So I didn't do science uh, after fifth form. But when I left and started to realise that there is empirical science within Māori culture and I started to learn more about Māori astronomy and started to learn more about Māori culture and Māori practices and harvesting and planting and all of these things where there are some really important scientific principles and practices going on. I just I fell in love with it. So just to start with, I was having a hard time understanding what uh, Dr Matsumua meant when he was talking about needing a Māori context for science. So we started with something pretty fundamental, the periodic table of elements. The periodic table is all the different elements, right? And they are given a certain number and a certain position on the periodic table. Really didn't mean anything to me until I thought about it as I got older as genealogy, which is like whakapapa. So you have 
those people that are higher up in the gene- genealogical table and beneath them there is another generation and another generation and they're all related but slightly different. When I started to think about it like that, like a big family tree, it just made complete sense to me. And understanding how they all these elements are formed within a star. You know, they come from a common origin, that's genealogy. That's so mildly so stuff. Absolutely, because they're in families as well, right? They're in According families. to how their electrons yes. are. Yes, yes, yes. yes. Yeah. So yeah. Once I could make it relate to me, complete sense. called Western Science or a Māori Lens. Rangi talks about Māori's understanding of science going back a very, very long time, even before Māori arrived in Aotearoa. Science is part of Māori culture. We have been scientists forever. You don't travel and traverse and then crisscross that expanse of water without knowing science, without knowing uh, wave patterns, the movements of the celestial bodies, migration patterns. They knew all of this stuff in detail and they took detailed, meticulous r- recordings and passed it down through oral uh, histories. And then they practiced and there was trial and error and all of this stuff. It is science. And to remember that science, they embedded it in narrative. And when they embedded it in narrative, then it became celebrated in ceremony. And so our science is coded, I think, and it's through language and culture that you're able to decode the science. And and the great thing about Māori science, for me, as opposed to general science, is it's, yes, it is science, but it also has this cultural and spiritual connection because you celebrate it in ceremony you know, it, it gets its own flavour and its cultural elements. And and I think uh, for any rangatahi interested in the space, just realise our, our ancestors were scientists and some of the greatest scientists ever. Māori have oral traditions with multiple layers of knowledge embedded into these stories, which we call pūrāko. The more engaging and funny, the more vividly we remember it. So it's actually quite genius if you think about it. Yeah, it's sort of like, you know, you never forget a good joke once you've been told it once. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And Rangi has a really interesting and engaging way of using Pudako to explain our modern understanding of cosmology. Māori stories have never, ever, ever changed. We've always held on to our basic beliefs. In the beginning, the sky was stuck to the earth. Everything, everything that makes up everything was held into the small condensed, tight space. That's a singularity for me. Any 101 astronomy class will tell you everything in the universe began its life in this small, tight, dense space, and then it exploded outwards. For me, that's a separation of Rangi and Papa. And then there was this eons where, you know, clouds of dust and everything collided and there was havoc and turmoil. 
For me, that was the gods warring on each other at the beginning of time. And then they started to settle down and create things like the earth was created and the moon. And this is science, you know, they'll tell you that this is kind of the uh, chronological order of events that happened. That fits perfectly with Māori understandings of creationism. Everything is related, and that was laughed at. Now we all understand that everything begins its life. Some people say as stardust, right? Inside a star, and everything explodes outwards, and all the different elements are formed in that space. And we're like, yeah, because we're all related. We all have genealogy to each other. So this kind of, I guess, understanding of where we are in the cosmos and in the universe and our position and our interconnectedness with everything, right? We have genealogy to dogs, to trees, to the stars. Would you say some people are more closely related to dogs than others? (laughs) That's a howler. Yes, and and, uh, yes, some people are. (laughs) Okay, so um, how did you become interested in astronomy? So my ancestor, um, actually from Te his name was um, Himiona, and he came uh, to Ruatahuna and married one of our kuia. Now Himiona Te Pikikotuku was an astronomer. He handed that knowledge down to his son, um, Te Koko and his son, Rawiri Te Koko. So Te Koko and Rawiri Te Koko uh, were informants of Elston Best, huh? who went off and wrote the book Astronomical Knowledge of the Māori. Just in case people don't know, maybe we should explain who Elston Best was. Yeah, so Elston Best was a Pākehā farmer back in the late 1800s. He, he was actually a member of the armed constabulary, which... Um, you know, took part in the Parihaka raid, um, but he went on to become a sort of early anthropologist. Um, they called them ethnologists back in the day, and he went around collecting and preserving, writing down a lot of old Maori stories, histories, myths, and legends. Um, he's a slightly controversial figure today because he 
put his own spin on some of these legends. And today, people have gone back and sort of talked to um, Māori elders and and keepers of stories. And it doesn't always match up with the stuff he's written down. So Rangi says the reason his ancestors cooperated with Alsden Best is because he offered them a star chart, which he wanted them to fill in with Māori names for all the stars. So his tipuna went and did that, and Alsden Best went off and used that information to write his book on Māori astronomy. But these two old clever tohunga also wrote their own book, which preserved a much, much deeper level of knowledge about Māori astronomy. Those two old men wrote a 400-page manuscript on stars, on Māori astronomy. And so they give a 1,000 star names, 103 constellations. Every star has a narrative, a reason why it's called what it's called, when it rises, when it sets, how to read it. In the centre of that book, they write a whole curriculum about how you teach in a whare kōkōrangi or a traditional Māori astronomy school. On his deathbed, Te Kōko hands that book to his grandson. He's only young, only maybe if he's 11, 12, and he says, this is for you. And his grandson was petrified of the reputation of his grandfather for being a witch doctor. So this is this massive manuscript, right? He grabs that and puts it in his closet and leaves it there for 50 years, untouched. He's scared of it. Um, it's tapu to him. Anyway, that was my grandfather uh, who had that book. Uh, I went to university in 92, 1992 was my first year. And Matariki started to be on the rise. And I came back to my grandfather. Did you know anything about Matariki? I think as he got older, he realised, ah, oh, maybe it's time to share this stuff. So he went and got that book and he gave it to me. On his deathbed, my grandfather says, look, um, that book, do not share that book. Mm. That book is sacred, written by the hand of a tohunga. I fear whoever comes into contact with it, if they read it, they'll go. They'll be sick because that's it. No, they were really tapu people. Mm. But then he said, "But the knowledge in that book, you're okay because you descend from them. You need to find a way to share that knowledge." Last words: knowledge that isn't shared isn't knowledge. So that kind of sent me off on a little bit of a journey for the last twenty years. And that's why I do what I do. And it's that book, that what more than a hundred year old book, which uh, Rangi took us to have a look at. Yeah, it was pretty special. Through the 400 pages, every time I read it, I learn something new. You know, he writes in the margins. It's just layer upon layer upon layer. 30 years of his life observing astronomy every single day and being a tohunga as well, and his karakia in here is just so much. Wow. So, yeah. Well, thank you for sharing this beautiful... I think you two might be... really outside of um, a very few group of mm. people from my family who have seen it, really. Wow. Yeah. And, and I, I'm glad I'm starting to show it because, um, you know, I was saying to my... Um, I talk about it sometimes. Yeah, I've got this book and it was left by my ancestor. And my son was giving me a little bit of grief about it. He goes, what book? I've never seen it. And I said, because son has stopped. And he goes, oh, yeah, sounded like the Book of Mormon. <laughs> <laughs> I was like... You, come here then. (laughs) Opened it up. There, there, you. And he goes, oh, no, no, I believe you, I believe you. (laughs) I'm kind of interested how you felt um, seeing that book. 
was actually really special. And I think the thing for me that was special was that Rangi uh, is pretty well known for being a tūhoi. So I just assumed that his koro that had written that book was a tūhoi. But what Rangi told us in his in the interview is actually it was his Tiarua koro that did that writing. And I'm from Tiarua. So for me, it was actually a really, really special whakapapa link to be able to see this book. And I almost felt like an awe of it. You yeah. know, like I was like looking at it going, maybe I shouldn't be looking at this kind of. <laughs> look I away, know. Look away, kind of. Well, because well, sort of like he showed us this after sort of, you know, all of this explanation of how it was so tapu and how his father had been so scared of this book and sort of said that, you know, no one should ever see this because they'd fall sick. And it sort of felt almost like a transgression in some ways. <laughs> yes. But the other thing that I felt really reassured by is that Rangi knows his stuff in Mātauranga Māori, so he has very, very deep knowledge. He would have said the prayers and all the things that were necessary for us to see that book. So took away the scariness a little bit for me. But, yeah, yeah it was special because of that whakapapa link. Yeah. So in more recent years, Dr Matsumura has interpreted much of what's written in that book into his own book, which is that Matariki book we were mentioning earlier. And obviously Matariki's a really important group of stars for Māori. Europeans usually call it Pleiades. And Matariki rose on Tuesday morning, actually. So ah. it's the time of Matariki at the moment. It's almost as if we planned this episode to come out at, at this time. <laughs> kind of clever, huh? Yeah, no. <laughs> Matariki is a star cluster, the most well-recorded and ancient of all of the star clusters or stars in the sky, really. You know, there are cave paintings of it that are 20,000 years old. Where? In France, in southern France. Wow. Yeah, and on uh, Nongotaha. <laughs> no. <laughs> in southern France. <laughs> and, um, is that from when the Celtics came over? <laughs> No, there's this uh, really famous cave painting. It is in France. It is of the bull, this bull. It's, it's oh, I know the bull. Paleolithic or Neolithic. And just above the bull, there's a cluster of dots because, you know, Pleiades is in the shoulder of Taurus the bull, right? Oh, wow. And uh, that's its earliest image. You know, there's a 5,000-year-old star disc that was dug out of the ground in Germany and has Pleiades on it. The... Um, oldest star reference I think is out of China it refers to the blossom stars that might be 2000 BC and that blossom stars are Pleiades or Matariki so you know it is right across all cultures throughout the world they acknowledge that cluster and for Māori um, my ancestor left me a very detailed account of his belief of Matariki it marks our new year it sets um, how many months for the year there are going to be. There is some fantastic science when you're talking about divisions of time around Matariki, you know, understanding that uh, now we follow a Western Gregorian 365 and a quarter day solar year. Our ancestors followed a lunar 354 day solar year, 11 days shortage, right, between a solar and a lunar. So you think, right, in three years, there's going to be a whole month out because it slips but Matariki, when it rises in the first month and it's not visible, we wait for another month for Matariki to be visible every third year. We inserted an extra month to catch up for that slippage and it happens around Matariki. So Matariki regulates the rising and falling of this additional month 
throughout the three years. So there's all these divisions of time going on around Matariki. Can you tell us a little bit about those nine stars? Because I think those kōrero are really beautiful. I know you're probably a bit sick of telling them. But... No, 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 no. Matariki comes from the phrase na mato te ariki tāwhiri mātea, or the eyes of the god tāwhiri mātea. After the separation of Rangi and Papa, he just disagreed with what his brothers had done to separate his parents, and he warred with them, and our god too beat him. And he, Tafiri, tore his eyes out in rage and sorrow for his father. He crushed them in his hands and threw them to the chest of his father, and they stuck there. So all of those nine stars have a connection to uh, the world. So the mother is Matariki. If I can start there, the mother is Matariki. She is a healer and is definitely a female star. She is the mother of these eight children in the cluster. Her, uh, the father is Rehua, which is a star Antares, the big lord, overlord of the sky. He is connected to medicine, to traditional Māori medicine. Uh, he is the medicine guy, I suppose, medicine man, married the healer. She's a healer. And they have eight children. Each of them has a bounty that they bring to earth and bestow upon people. So Pahutuka was a female and the oldest. She is the star that carries our dead across the night sky and looks after our dead, the dead of the year. Tipuanuku is another female. That star will determine how well your vegetables are going to grow that year. Tipuarangi is the star connected to birds um, and, you know, let you know if you're going to get lots of kereru that year. Or chickens, I guess, these days. <laughs> uh, Waiti is connected to uh, fresh water, let you know how well your eels are going to how many eels you're going to get. Waita is uh, salt water, it's a male, and it's connected to the, uh, the how much fish you're going to get from the oceans. Waipunarangi is a female star, it's connected to rain, how much rain you're going to get that year. Ururangi is connected to the winds, and um, that's a male star, and we'll tell you how much wind you're going to get. The last star is Hiwaiterangi. Hiwaiterangi is a female star, the youngest of the eight children, and that is the star that determines uh, if your wishes are going to come true that year. Uh, Hiwa means to be lush and grow lush in the sky. And there's karakia connected to each of those stars, asking them f- to bestow that particular bounty or goodness to care for our dead, farewell our dead of the year, grant us our wishes, and all of these other environmental elements or factors, we ask for that they you know, be bountiful, so you might be listening to all this, and if you're not Māori, or maybe even if you are Māori, you might not think that this sounds very scientific. Yeah, I mean, there's there's elements of spirituality and mythology in here, and that's not usually stuff that's associated with science, at least in a Western context. Yeah, and it, it is kind of common within an Indigenous context. So I asked Dangi if he thought there was a disconnect between science and Mataranga Māori, which is what we call traditional Māori knowledge. I think that, not from a Māori perspective, but from a Western perspective, that they view Mātauranga Māori as a novelty, or myths and legends, or perhaps not proper science. That form of science is about experiment and outcome. That's really all it's about, you know. Theory, experiment, outcome, theory, experiment, outcome. Trying to prove a point, whereas... Māori knowledge is never concerned with the smaller details, 
but really how the smaller details connect to everything else. To a We're, larger picture. Larger picture. Mm. It's the holistic understanding of knowledge. All of these stars have a purpose. There's even stars for sex. You know, there's a star cluster that rise that will tell you the most optimal time to be with your partner. So if they do become pregnant, that they have child in the latter half of the summer when it's warm and just before harvest. So there's a lot of goodness and food around and that's passed through the mother's milk and the baby. So, you know, it's it's a... You know, it's not to say that's the only time you have sex. <laughs> That'd be pretty boring, right? I was say, do you have any children born at that time of the year? Yes, or? I do. Oh, yes, wow. So. That wasn't planned. <laughs> You're like, I was just thankful. Look at my Matariki calendar. <laughs> I was just thankful it was happening. <laughs> so this is all coming back to that thing Rangi was talking about earlier, this idea of sort of encoding scientific knowledge into stories. Yeah, and that's often something that non-Māori scientists can be hostile about. And I think it's just that they don't understand the story within the story. Yeah, and we had a really, really interesting chat with Rangi about the sort of philosophy of this whole issue. Astronomy is a great example of this. It's a real arrogance in astronomy. You know, it's a real scientific snobbery, and it's about rubbishing everyone else's opinion and forwarding their own. I think it's kind of sad sometimes because... Really, the study of astronomy is all cultures and everyone looks up at the sky and they see stars and they have a connection. Everyone, every culture. And I think that's something that should be more celebrated as opposed to seen as a threat or a challenge. And it's quite interesting because I think in what you're saying is that Western science, there's a lot of experimentation. There's experiment. There's some experimental component to Maori science. Oh, absolutely. Right? Absolutely. They tried different stuff. And stuff failed, and they learnt from that. Oh, yeah, that's not a good tree to make a canoe out of. It keeps sinking. Yeah. Let's use this tree. Eat that berry, they died. Let's not eat that. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's just basic, and, and all people did that. People see Māori science as touchy feel good, you know. And the spiritual, spiritual component, yeah. Spiritual. I mean, I've read some really interesting <laughs> stuff where even Māori will say, oh, no, no, there's no such thing as Māori science because of the spiritual component. Yeah. And it's like, what, how, how, do, you think, how do you think the spiritual and cultural stuff changes the science? I actually think it enriches science. You know, astronomy itself is born out of that. You know, you look at the earliest... Uh, writings on astronomy. Uh, look at the great Greeks, you know, uh, astronomers and philosophers, and they, it was more astrology than it was astronomy, right? It was the merging together of cultural beliefs with science, with spirituality. That's how we get the names Cassiopeia, Orion, Scorpius, you know? I think it gives it flavour and richness, and I think it's cool, but we've moved away from that. I wonder whether it has to do with Western science's experience of religion versus the Māori experience. Because, I mean, you've got the whole Galileo <coughs> thing and, you know, the Catholic Church, whereas within Te Ao Māori, it's like, you know, religion and spirituality is how you preserve scientific knowledge rather than uh, repress it. <laughs> that is so cool. That's a very, very good point. I think that has a lot to do with it. The Catholic Church, you know, really trying to suppress... Uh, the advancement of scientific knowledge and kind of the state, you know, eventually realising, no, religion over there, uh, scientific knowledge here and never the twain shall meet. 
What's funny is when we are practicing any science, we look for the spirituality to make the science have meaning. And when we're practicing spirituality, quite often we'll look for the physical to make it have meaning. I love the comment that was made by the late Stephen Hawkins when he said, um, you know, God is gravity. You know, I've thought about, I've thought about that for a long time and then he had a similar approach for me to Māori. He's looking for a spiritual connection within that scientific knowledge. Well, kia ora, Melanie. Thank you so much for taking the time and thank you to Rangi as well for taking the time to, to talk to us. Thank you. I've had a really enjoyable afternoon with you guys. A big thanks to Melanie Chung, Rangi Matamua from Waikato University and producer William Ray. Kapai too for the use of the song This Life by Fly My Pretties. Written by Tiki Tane, it was taken from the album String Theory. If you'd like to listen to this story again or check out other Our Changing World stories, head to our webpage rnz.co.nz slash ourchangingworld. While you're there, you can sign up for our free weekly newsletter and follow along with the Elemental and Kākāpō Files podcasts. I also post links to all the stories on Twitter and Facebook, where we are RNZ Science. Many thanks for your company. Until next time, it's good night from me, Alison Balance, Paul Marie. Botox Cosmetic, out of botulinum toxin A, FDA approved for over 20 years. So, talk to your specialist to see if Botox Cosmetic is right for you. For full prescribing information, including boxed warning, visit BotoxCosmetic.com or call 877-351-0300. Remember to ask for Botox Cosmetic by name. To see for yourself and learn more, visit BotoxCosmetic.com. That's BotoxCosmetic.com.